Hi, I'm Libby. And I'm Farron. And this is the tip of the iceberg. All I can feel is domestic violence, attempted murder, and a Valentine's massacre. Valentine's Day. Can you feel? Oh, I love that. I would sing, but tonight. Wow, that was nice. All I can feel is domestic violence, attempted murder, and a Valentine's massacre. Yeah, that's what we're gonna share today. Yeah. Before we start, we apologize for how we sound. It is cold and flu season. Yes, ma'am. It is hit hard in um, the Safe Project office. I feel like I sound a lot better than I did. Me too, actually. I just sound kind of croaky. I think my voice is back to like at least an eighty percent. But maybe I think your I'm voice being sounds good. Optimistic. You just sound a little congested. I am a little congested, but your voice sounds fine. <sighs> yeah. So if Man. you hear the tissues, that's what that is from too. Yep. We're both. Sick. Everybody's in the same boat. Yep. You feel it. We yep. feel it. Everybody feels it. <laughs> yep. So we today, however, are going to share an equally sick, perhaps more sick story than we are. Um, we want to share the story of the Valentine's Massacre. Yep. And it's a good one. And super gross. Yeah, it's really gross. The perpetrator is an idiot. <laughs> it's awful. <laughs> almost so funny how it's, dumb he is. Yeah, he's stupid. It's really scary. Like, the the incident is yeah. terrifying. But just this guy is... I can't get over how stupid he is. Yeah. That's the funny part. If we laugh, it's because this guy seems like a real dope. Yeah, he is a dope. So, let's set the stage here. Okay. Okay, so we are in Westchester. Yep. And I don't know where that is. Where's Westchester? I believe West, Westchester's in Pennsylvania. Terrific. Pennsylvania. We are in Westchester, Pennsylvania. And if it's not Pennsylvania, terrific. Um, <laughs> it's Pennsylvania. Yep, there it is. Yep. Westchester, Pennsylvania. Um, set the stage for a woman and her, her husband? Her husband. Mm-hmm. His name's William. William Brown. And the woman's name is... I, I, I don't think I it ever gotten, says it. Um... I, maybe it doesn't say I don't it. think it does That would say be it. good. Nope, nope. It's Michelle. Oh. They did name the victim in the article. Well, that's a bummer. So this incident takes place between William, who's the perpetrator, mm-hmm. Michelle, who is the wife, and Michelle's cousin, Scott. Yep. Who is just an innocent bystander. Scott Barton. Who gets caught up in this craziness, which happens a lot. Yeah. So what happens is Michelle... We are assuming a little bit that there's a lot of domestic violence happening here, but it's kind of confirmed in that she, on February 12th, gets a protection order against her husband, William, William. right? um, because he threatened to kill her with a butcher's knife. Right. So I personally don't feel that that is like just something that happens randomly. No, usually like there's some precipitating factors like i don't think i would come home to my partner after like a normal normal week and just say you know i've been thinking a lot about it (laughs) i'd like to kill you with a butcher's knife no Mm -mm. yeah i don't see that happening so that's why i'm saying i think there's 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 a pattern of abuse in this relationship Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so he so she gets a protection order against him and it's granted (coughs) excuse me it's granted 
And so he, this takes place at her home, correct? Yeah. Yeah. So he is out due to the rules of protection orders. And she changed all, changes all the locks. Right. So she did everything, quote unquote, right. Keep so that she, in mind. Yeah. She asked her cousin to come over on yeah. the, the 13th of February, the day before. Yes. And change the locks on the front door so that he won't have his key anymore. Because she thought that the protection order was going to make him really mad. Because oftentimes perpetrators get really angry when those get granted, yeah. right? Yeah, 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 yeah. And so she, because she was afraid that he would get mad, and she, even though she was having the locks changed, she still asks her cousin Scott if he'll spend the night at the house just in case because she's just a little skittish. So Which that's where sense. we're at on Valentine's Day. See, and that's what makes me think also that there is a history of domestic violence too because, like, if we are following that... Like, if I were to go home and tell my partner, like, I'm going to kill you with a butcher's knife. If I had never said anything like that before, they'd probably be like, yes, I go. We're done. <clears throat> but, like, not be super, not know that something was going to follow. Right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Whereas she knew, like, this is going to anger him. I'm going to change the locks. I'm going to have my cousin stay over just to make sure things don't get out of hand. Right. Right. So, everything is fine on February 13th. Michelle and Scott are chilling in their home in Nottingham. And he spends the night. Yep, he spends the night. Um, when early on Valentine's morn. At eight, about eight, 8.30 yeah. in the morning. All around, all around other parts in Nottingham and Westchester, I assume, people are being awoken with chocolates or breakfast in bed or what are other sweet Valentine's things? Candy hearts. Candy hearts. Yeah. Roses. Yeah, social media shout outs. Yeah. All the different things. Well, that's not Michelle's experience. Nope. Nope. Early at around 8.20 a.m., um, he kicks in her front door. Yep. So it didn't matter that the locks were changed. Nope. Happy Valentine's Day, Michelle. I'm here for you. Yep. He was here for her. He was. Yep. And in that moment, he said... I am going to kill you, I'm going to kill your cousin, and I'm going to kill me. Mm-hmm. Everybody's over in this scenario. Mm-hmm. And they have a child together, but she's not home. Correct. I'm guessing maybe she was at school. Could be. Because I would think she would be relatively young. Because these people aren't very old. Yeah, probably. <coughs> so he gets in there and immediately goes so he has knives on him this guy has he has an obsession with knives he was not joking about the butcher's knife no he has he brings two big steak knives with him and he immediately goes after scott the cousin and starts stabbing him and he stabs him in the chest five times right off the bat right off the bat wow he did not waste time and then when michelle tried to stop him he cut her really bad on her hand he slashed her on her hand and he said you every time you talk scott's getting another stab yep that's how it's gonna go yeah, so after he slashes her, he tells, he reiterates that he's going to kill her. And then he continues stabbing Scott to the point where he breaks both the handles on the knives. And so then he goes to the kitchen to get some more knives. And <laughs> Michelle, he leaves Michelle alone. Michelle secretly dials 911 and she hides her phone under the sofa cushion. So the call was picked up. Oh, that's how she called 911. He yeah, went to he to left her alone, replenish his supply. to get a knife out of the kitchen, and she snuck and cut down 911. So, just logistically, why do you need another knife? 
because he broke the handles off. Is of, that real? Did you say yeah, that? Yeah, it says he broke the handles off of those knives Shoot. when he was stabbing that Scott. That is no joke. Yeah, he stabbed him really a lot. Um, and so... Okay, so they the were no longer acceptable. No, and so the call was picked up, and she's screaming. He continues to stab the cousin, and what at one point he sits on him, and he uses a box cutter to cut him from his feet towards his chest. His He's, feet towards his yeah, chest? Yeah, like up his legs, I guess. He slashes his face, and he slit his throat from ear to ear. This oh, poor my cousin. gosh. Yeah, so she's hysterical, and at this point, her cousin loses consciousness, and she says all she can hear is the sound of gurgling blood because he's bleeding everywhere so he at this point he takes michelle into the next room and he sexually assaults her and while they're in there they hear a knock at the door and michelle goes maybe you should answer the door it's probably our daughter so william goes oh okay (laughs) so he leaves michelle in the room and the cousin bleeding on the floor and he goes and opens the door no it's the cops. Okay, okay, wait. Back up, back up. So even if it was, like, yeah. what was this guy He thinking? was going to answer the door to a child and be like, oh, hi, honey. Just ignore... Cousin Scott. Cousin Scott. He had an accident. <laughs> he was trying to fillet yeah, some yeah. meat. Kitchen accident yeah. happened. It's no big deal. It was a knife tornado. Don't Something worry about casual. It. Yeah. Bleeding out on the floor. Right, I don't know why Just opening the door over. to the child was Watch your cartoons. I'm busy in the other room with your mom. <laughs> right. I don't know why um, opening the door to the child was a better... I don't, I don't know why that was a good idea. But he thought that their daughter was at the door. Okay. Because Michelle said, maybe our daughter's at the door. Terrific. Okay. So, But it's the police. It's the cops. And Ugh. they immediately take him into custody. And this whole thing lasts from 8.20 in the morning to 10.36 in the morning. So he was there more than two hours terrorizing these people. So Scott is fighting for his life, is taken to the hospital... And they had to resuscitate him with 10 units of blood. He was stabbed 22 times. And he almost lost his ear. He was in the hospital for two months. Yeah, and then he gets a terrible infection when he's in the hospital, so then he had to be in a coma. I know Scott did recover, according to the other news articles. Luckily, he recovered. But he could have killed that guy. I'm surprised he did not. I have just one question. (sighs) Why didn't she just leave? Oh, my gosh. He seems like a reasonable person. She should just leave. Yeah. Why does she put up with him? Why do these women put up with this? Hmm. Because these guys aren't unreasonable and crazy at all. No. And clearly, if she would have just left, he wouldn't have tried to go after no. her. No. He knows that when it's over, it's over. Except, He wait. probably doesn't have any access to butcher's knives or steak knives. No. Wait. I think it says in the article that she had left. Oh, yeah. and she got she a protection filed a protection order. order. And changed the locks. And, yep, and had a male relative stay with her just to make sure that she was safe. Huh. And the guy still kicks the door in and almost killed everybody in the house. Oh, no, I don't know what to think. Huh. Maybe this is a testament to why women don't just leave. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. This is it. This is interesting. Um, another funny thing about this. This guy. <laughs> is when he went to court. This is what I think is funny. Like, he's obviously a Off psycho. his rocker. Yeah, like, he is, he is a lot. 
But he said, like, he said that when he went to court, he was going to steal the who's gun? Uh, uh, he was going to snatch a... He said snatch. Oh, he's going to snatch. He's going <laughs> to He was going to snatch a weapon from one of the deputies. <laughs> from one of the deputies. And he was going to... He he might be on CNN. He, he says, I may be on CNN. I'm already 46. I'm not stressed about it. They want 25 years. You might as well go and murder someone. Right. So they're prepared for this. Because they had been <laughs> alerted by the prosecutor that while he was incarcerated in, in jail, he'd been tape recorded promising to grab a gun from well, a deputy. He straight up says so to a relative. So the prosecutor like, lets the judge know. He straight up says to a relative during a phone call, I may be on CNN. I'm already 46 and I'm not stressed about it. They want 25 years. You might as well go and murder someone. Yep. But um, William, during the hearing, was under his best behavior. Wow. He was calm. And he said very little aside from politely answering questions about his decision to take his case to trial. And during which at the end when he was handcuffed and shackled and watched by five deputies with five guns, he just was smiling and laughing with one of his defense attorneys. Okay, see, I love that that happened. Well, that's a really weird way to say that. I don't love that that happened. Right. But I think that proves... The point that we make that it's not like an, a lack of anger or a mental health thing. Obviously, this guy has a lot going on, so I'm not saying that there's no mental health complications here. But he saves his psycho for the person that he abuses. Right. And that is straight up domestic violence. And we covered that in the myths episode that if it were just an imbalance or an anger control issue that you would see this happening all over the place with lots of different relationships and in every environment, maybe a courtroom. Right. But the fact that he was so in control of himself in the courtroom and with the bailiffs and the defense attorney, I think that proves that this is, although crazy, this is really, really typical domestic violence. At the beginning of his hearing, um, the prosecutor tells the judge that he had made these these um, comments about to his aunt, I guess, um, and about how he was going to massacre, he was going to shoot everybody in the courtroom or cause an incident and be on CNN and stuff. Uh-huh. And it says... Um, at the mention of this in the courtroom that day, three women, one with two young children and another with a teenager, got up and left. Like, these, these ladies were like, no. I'm not into I don't it. need this today. <laughs> Goodbye. This is not what I said. Sorry, <laughs> Michelle. Support you from the hall, babe. I love you, but... No. I ain't going down like this. <laughs> this is not how my story ends. Not today, ends. William. This is not how my story ends. Nope. Oh, gosh. And the... the <laughs> Another funny thing. This is why we're laughing at him because he's such a dope. The judge quoted him saying, golly, if I'd known I was going to get convicted, I would have taken the deal. Can I get a redo? Okay. <laughs> All right, William. I'm surprised he didn't just try to, do, like, um, provide his own counsel. Like a lot of it these guys do. like he would. Like Ted Bundy. Right. Just, like, told his defense attorney to sit down and he just he's like, all the, he's like I'm good I don't I thank you this. for nothing but I can do this I'm smarter than you oh my god because these guys are so arrogant <sighs> so it says in um one of these articles that he was 
I think he was. I don't know what he is sentenced to. Oh, it does say. Hold on, we gotta find it. There's just we're pulling from several different. We did our research on this one because it was just too much of a good story to take one side. So we're pulling from lots of different resources, and we gotta find where it said it. Um, there were hearings scheduled and stuff, but I don't know what he was ever sentenced to. But his bond was five hundred thousand. Oh, three decades in prison. Let's oh. see. Let's see. Let's see. Um, oh. Oh, so he got 30 years. Yeah, it, it looks like that's the headline. I know it says it somewhere in here. Yeah, he um, was sentenced to 32 to 70 years in oh, state prison. Oh, you got it. Yep. 32 to 70 years. Yep, because he agreed to enter a plea deal um, and leave it up to the judge to decide a punishment. I mean, I guess he did, he did get a redo. He's he a good deal. Well, knowing this guy, he'll totes get out for good behavior. Yeah, because he's really sweet. Yeah, you know it's true. Mm-hmm. You know it's true. He will, he'll be a changed man. Yep. He'll be he'll be on the straight and narrow. Yep. Ready to. And he called it a Valentine's Day massacre. <laughs> <laughs> that's what he said. That's what he's. That's what he said in this article. In one of these articles, he said that he was going to. I think he had told a relative beforehand. Yeah, he. Before um, the Valentine's Day thing. Oh, he, he told them. So he told the victims. Oh. When he said, I'm, I'm going to kill you, and I'm going to kill you, and then I'm going to kill myself, he said, I'm going to kill you, and I'm going to kill you, and I'm going to kill myself and create a Valentine's Day massacre. Well, that's really... Romantic. I think so, too. What, a, what an idiot. <laughs> I'm just so glad. I'm just so glad that she's okay and that the cousin the poor cousin I know which this is really common that like relatives get mixed up yeah in the middle of all this chaos well, and we see we that a lot when we were talking about that other um all of those teenagers who had died due to dating violence and domestic violence um there was that one guy who who got hurt mm-hmm. in the car like a friend yeah so a lot of times victims reach out and say like this isn't safe for me i need help and so they have someone come and stay with them or come and stick around to protect them and then everybody gets hurt yeah and this is also why a lot of victims choose to go to shelters right and a lot of shelter programs will ask a victim is there somewhere you can stay because ideally if if he or she could stay somewhere safe they would prefer to not stay in a shelter correct because shelter life is hard it's stressful um but so many of my clients have told me, like, no, because he, I'm not going to expose my family to this. He knows where my he mom lives. He knows where my mom lives. He knows where my brother lives. Like, I can't have them come over to my house. I don't want, he's already threatened to kill my family. Because there's going to be a Valentine's Day massacre. Yeah. Whoa. I wonder, it just mentions the daughter the one time. It just breezes over the daughter. Yeah. I don't like, know. I'm wondering how old that girl is. How, what did, what, happened because they talked about how they had a daughter luckily it wasn't her at the door walking into this craziness yeah i can't even imagine oh my god thank god it was the police yeah yeah seriously oh yeah this story is crazy yeah i'm really glad that she was like brave enough and smart enough and quick enough to call call 911 and just throw her phone under the couch that yeah. was smart. Well, that was brave, too. I think, for me, that speaks to the fact that she's been in scary situations with him before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That she, like, has a plan. She knew what Sounds to like do. Sounds like she had a safety plan. Yeah. She knew what to do. Right. That's really scary. 
And the scariest thing about this is while this is really flashy and scary and bloody, this story is, it's not like super out of left field. No. Things like this could happen all the time. Oh, yeah. If you... When you leave. Yes. We mentioned before yes. that that's that your highest time of lethality. Remember when we talked about the the judge on our first one of our first podcasts? I think it was our first one. Uh-huh. That judge who killed his wife? Yeah. She had left. Right. And people don't understand it. They think no. it's not true. They say, once you leave, then... They act like it's just like breaking off, breaking it off with someone. I heard... Like a normal person. I heard someone with a PhD in social work tell people in a class I was not in this class someone reported this to me that this why don't you leave thing and that it was more dangerous after you left was a myth what? she told that to her students that's when I texted you that one time and I was like I have got to tell you something oh yeah and then we forgot it was an intro to social work class oh my god and she told all of those baby social workers that's a myth Mm. it's not no not at all okay well if you look at data of women and i'll just say women because women are most often the ones who are Mm -hmm. victims of dv homicides if you look back at that data the majority of those women had left the relationship or were attempting to leave the relationship when they were killed with PhDs and things that you would assume cover domestic violence, like social work, telling you, eh, it's not really a thing. Don't worry too much about that. You say, hmm. The problem is... It's not really a thing. The problem is that people assume, people make assumptions, which assumptions are usually harmful. Mm-hmm. People make assumptions that the violence ends when you're out of the relationship. Like, they assume that, like, he's abusive, he hits her, he screams at her and calls her a bitch and a whore, and he strangles her, and if she just breaks up with him, that's all going to end. Done. But no, we -hmm. know, because of our work and because of the work of years and years and years of data that shows that these women are often stalked. Yeah. And they are often brutalized, and they are often physically attacked financially abused and killed after they've left the relationship. The relationship doesn't just end. It's not like breaking up with your high school boyfriend and like, I don't want to go out with you anymore. Don't call me. Like, that's not what this looks like. Or that's what that, that's, that's what people think. In a very rational relationship, in a normal relationship that you have when things don't go your way and you want to end the relationship, then even if it's a terrible breakup or a divorce, even or a divorce, you both go right. on your separate ways. We're just not going to live together anymore. We're going to split the sheets. We're going to hire attorneys. We're going to get this baby finalized. And we're not going to talk. We're going to talk amicably to each other here on about the children. Right. That's what people assume always happens. But if your relationship was not normal. No. And was violent. Right. Or not healthy. What? Why do you think that just at the end of that, all of a sudden it'll turn healthy? That it's just going to stop and he's just going to suddenly be... Amicable? Healthy and rational. It's like, I don't understand where the disconnect is because you can't have a completely unhealthy and violent relationship and then have a separation no. and then all of a sudden it's healthy. No. And I, to me, it's common sense. I feel that way. Um, and I don't know if it's because of the work that I've done with I'm victims. I'm sure it is, though. But I'm for sure. me, it's not hard to understand that, like, well, if somebody's in a relationship 
a dating relationship or a, a marriage with another person who's completely irrational, demands constant control, and is a rageaholic, and is physically abusive, then it makes sense to me that like leaving that relationship is going to be difficult. And also, when I've left the relationship, that person's probably not going to suddenly be kind to me. Yeah, except for that I think... I think that's common sense. I, I agree with Maybe you. Maybe I'm being too harsh on people. No, no, no. I don't think you are. But I think it's because you have more information. And I think people understand things in the context of their own lives. And so if in their life they haven't experienced this, mm-hmm. then they have no idea what this could look like. Just like a, a lot of people, until they learn more about this, don't realize that domestic violence is about power and control. And they mm-hmm. don't get that. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's one of those things where it's like you have the understanding that your own life has given you plus media, yeah, right? right. And so in the media, there typically is a happy ending right. or it just ends. And well, then the credits roll. But in real life, the credits don't roll and, like, you have 20 years left of dealing with it. Well, and I think that this is the... I am the product of someone who has worked with hundreds and hundreds of survivors of domestic violence who, although all their stories are unique to them, they are all eerily similar. Yeah. Because batterers are very similar. Yeah. And the bottom line is they are not reasonable. They are not rational. They are rageaholics. They want power and control all the time, even when you're not in the relationship anymore. They make your life a living hell. And sometimes these women honestly feel like it's safer to just stay and deal with the day-to-day abuse than to leave and not know, A, where he is, what he's doing, and make him more angry by filing a protection order and mm-hmm. taking his his kids and stuff. Right. Like, then he's totally out. Of, he has no control over you now. Absolutely. That's scary. Yeah. No, totally. So I'm not saying that women in abusive relationships should stay at all. But I am saying that we all need to take a minute and validate the reasons why women stay in these relationships and continue to go back to these relationships instead of blaming them and saying that they must like being abused because which I've heard I have too (laughs) because they continue to stay we need to stop and think of how scary it is for them when they leave and that they know and they know that it's it's kind of like choosing life in prison or the death penalty yep and neither answer is good yep you're damned if you but do and damned if you don't. But that's your situation. Yeah. And I think that we, I think communities like ours who work really hard as a team to kind of wrap around survivors with law enforcement and advocates and attorneys, you know, we do a, we do a, a, a decent job of helping to maintain safety for survivors but in communities where there isn't good law enforcement training, there isn't good training with prosecutors, advocates are stretched really thin mm-hmm. because programs are busy yep. and funding is cut. It's hard. Yeah, I agree with you. So let's just all stop saying, why don't they just leave? I swear, if I hear it anymore, I can't. People people probably think we're over reacting to this but honestly if you do this work and you hear it as frequently as we hear it it just gets like it's grating it's like nails on a chalkboard i'm trying to think of an example of what it's like what to a normal person what that sounds like and i can't think off the top of my head comparison like why doesn't she just leave like what that comparison would be but i just 
and I've only I've I'm I'm I've only been in this work for seven years. I can't imagine how when you talk about overreacting, how I'll yeah. be when I'm like forty. We're gonna be so angry. <laughs> So just stop saying it. Old ladies just, just stop yell. asking me when I tell you what I do for a living. God, I just don't understand why those women stay with those men. If somebody did that to me, I'd be gone. I hear that all the time. Like, all the time. And it sounds harmless. And people, because people are genuinely like, what is going on? Why don't they just leave? It sounds harmless to people in the context of their own lives. Like, I don't like my relationship. I'm going to leave. It's just a whole different ballgame. Right. Because like, they're picturing, like, their spouse. Like, like it, they're picturing, like, their right, spouse. Exactly, exactly. Like, my safe spouse, my safe husband, who has never hurt me, who's never threatened me, who's never been abusive to me, if he suddenly hauled off and smacked me, that's what these women are saying. Right, exactly. I would just walk out. Well, of course. Well, sure. And it would be fine. Right. But that's not what the that's no, not what domestic not violence survivors thing. are dealing it's not with. The same thing. No. And if you talk to survivors of domestic violence, and there are a lot of them out there, I mean, one in three women will be a victim of some kind of intimate partner violence. Mm-hmm. They'll tell you why they didn't just leave. Why I stayed? Maybe Isn't there, wasn't there a hashtag "Why I stayed" on Twitter that went so. viral a couple years ago? Why I, I stayed? So. Maybe that's what we need to do. Is have people. Straight up say, this is why I stayed. But it happened on Twitter a couple of years ago. And, and it was powerful. Did, it still didn't work. It was really powerful. Go look at that. Go find those, because that was powerful. Well, last week when, I, when we had our Survivor Speaks episode, she yeah. said, this is why I stayed. Yep. And totally made sense to me. Me too. I don't know if it's that people disagree, or if that's they don't trust people, or I don't know what it is. I just think that it's people don't understand. I think you're right. It's that they put it in the context of their own relationships and their own lives, and it doesn't make sense that way. And are there are there domestic violence survivors who have left? Yes. Who have gotten... Like, I've definitely had clients who mm-hmm. have come in here and said, he hit me, and I'm done, and I'm filing for divorce. Like, sure, I've seen that. That's not the norm. And sometimes it works. And sometimes it does. And I've seen women do that. I think oftentimes... A lot of times I think those women have more resources, too, to mm-hmm. leave. They have a, an education. They have a degree. They have a good job. Um, they have a vehicle. You know, they're not maybe as isolated. And they're so there stuck. are also a lot of barriers because domestic violence survivors need a great deal of support. Really. Most I of the time. I hear all the time, and I agree with the fact that domestic violence has no preference right. as to who it victimizes. Right. Race, socioeconomic status, level of education, uh, family type, whatever. It does not discriminate. Right. However, I do feel that survivors and victims who stay in those situations, that's where those things come into play. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I agree with you. That it's a lot... Just make sure I'm understanding you. Yeah. It's a lot harder and there are a lot more barriers in getting out of a relationship like that when you already have a lot of barriers in in life in general and being sustainable. Absolutely. When you're That's exactly what I'm saying. Somebody who's living in poverty, when you're somebody who doesn't mm-hmm. have a good work history because he won't let you work, you don't have a degree, you have you're you've got little kids to take care of, you don't have family supports, you don't have a vehicle. Yep. You've been financially abused, so you have no money. Right. 
Maybe you have a criminal record. Maybe you're undocumented. Maybe he opened up credit cards in your name and now you have no credit. Sure. And you've also got intense trauma. Oh, yeah. Aside from all of the crap. Aside from all of that stuff, you've also got PTSD. Yep. And so it's really hard to just put one foot in front of the other. Absolutely. Because of how horrible your life has been with this person. As opposed to some people who maybe got into this relationship later in life and they have a bachelor's degree or they have a master's degree and they have a work history and then they got into this relationship that was so crazy and unsafe, they could transfer to the other side of the country Mm -hmm. or they could get a new job. Even Mm -hmm. if they had stopped working for a while, they could get a new job. Or maybe someone who might be younger and they don't have a work history or they do have bad credit or all of that stuff, but they have a family who has a lot of resources. Mm -hmm. They can go back to home base for a couple months, a couple years, a couple whatever, and reset. And in each of those scenarios, with the women who have all the resources... It makes it less likely, I think, that they'll mean that they'll remain in the relationship out of a need for survival. Right. But it doesn't matter either way as far as the behavior of the batterer when they leave the relationship. Yep. That even women who leave and who have the resources and who can transfer jobs are still stalked and mm-hmm. and harmed after leaving the relationship. Absolutely. They're just maybe less likely to stay in the relationship. Because they have the ability to be sustainable by themselves. Yeah, for sure. But they're still dealing with psycho people. Let's say that everything works out perfectly. That you leave this relationship. He doesn't follow you. He gets distracted by somebody else, kind of like in Britney's story. Mm -hmm. And you get to start your own life again. Mm -hmm. The experiences that you had with this person... And the trauma of that... That follows. That doesn't go away. No. I think people... If it's a bad breakup or a bad divorce... From maybe just an unhappy relationship... There's trauma that people work through forever. Yeah. Let alone if you were physically or emotionally or sexually hurt... Mm -hmm. In that relationship. Mm -hmm. That take... That... I mean, Brittany talked about her trauma. That doesn't go away. And, like, how that followed her. Mm-hmm. And that, and still, yeah, that, those emotional scars are there. Those remain. So, let's just be sympathetic and understanding of why victims don't just walk out and leave and how it's not easy and it's often more scary when they do. Yep. Wow, we really got so boxy on that. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's our soapbox. Oh, my gosh. My voice is getting worse yeah, as I is. get more upset. I know. It's because you've been talking for 35 minutes. <laughs> it's also, it, yeah, I think that's, that's it too. Yeah. Well, we hope your Valentine's Day is... Uh, is not scary. Going better than this. And that you, whether you're celebrating that by yourself watching Netflix or you're with your partner eating dinner or whatever, that it's a great, wonderful day mm-hmm. full of whatever you want it to be and isn't scary. And there are no knives involved. No. Actually, good news, though. This is a happy note to leave for our Valentine's Day podcast. While I was researching this podcast, I learned that there are three days a year that domestic violence incidences decrease. And one of them is Valentine's Day. Wow. So we hope that today is a safer day than... The other days. 362 days of the year. Yeah. Congratulations on this day. Do you know what the other two days are? No, what? 
I bet you can guess. Christmas? Yep. Mm, and Thanksgiving? Yeah! Really? Yeah, you got it! I was going to say, because that's when hotline tends to be quiet. Yep. Our hotline is quiet. Valentine's Christmas and Thanksgiving. Day, Christmas, and Thanksgiving. People are trying to maintain the peace. Yep. Interesting. Less domestic violence incidences than any other that's day of very year. interesting. Well, fun fact. That's right. Yeah. But if your Valentine's Day did get crazy, or unsafe, or you don't have the relationship that you want. I think mm-hmm. sometimes we think about that on Valentine's Day. Yeah. Uh, what we want our relationships to be like if they are that way. And if you find that your relationship is unsafe, you know, reach out. Yeah, give us a call. Give us a call at this hotline number. 745-3556. We'd love to talk to you and offer you support. That's right. That's a 307 area code. Yeah, it's 307. We're in Wyoming. We actually have a lot of listeners who are not from Wyoming. Interesting. Mm-hmm. We are national at this point well and you can even if you're not in wyoming please call you us. can call us because yeah. we will still talk to you and also if you want resources in your area we can connect you with those resources yeah we we are happy to talk to any of our anybody yeah totally from washington wow. or nebraska or colorado or new york or the uk yes we have listeners in the uk and so canada exciting. that's so cool and parts of europe awesome um <laughs> wow that sounded like a huge brag I mean, I think that's pretty impressive. I'm really proud. I'm proud too, Liv. <laughs> we also, yeah, we have Michigan. Michigan. Wow, we, Mich- have, we love you, Michigan. We, yeah, we do, um, we're spreading. It's great. Similarly to domestic violence. Okay, that's not <laughs> And with that. Oh, happy Valentine's happy Day, Valentine's everyone. Day. We will not sound like this next week. Goodbye. And if we do, we will cry. <laughs> um, good night. <laughs> <laughs>